Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. I only recently got introduced to the work of Maggie Smith. Oh, the poet, not the actress. Although if that Maggie Smith's people are listening, I happen to have two Maggie Smith slots on the pod. So please reach out. I stumbled upon Maggie the Poet's book, Keep Moving, when I found a quote from it on Glennon Doyle's Instagram. With a motivational sort of you can do it vibe, it really resonated with the athlete in me and was a welcome departure from the more somber, self-reflective tones of other books I've been diving into about navigating grief and loss recently. Turns out Maggie's not a tortured artist. She is a fantastically vibrant person who's rad, and we had a blast getting to know each other. If I were to write a review on the book jacket of Keep Moving Today, I think I'd say, although it's so much more, motivational pick-me-ups echoing the voice of Ted Lasso to get you through the tough stuff of life. Here's Maggie Smith for No Time to Waste. You know, I, I admittedly did not know who you were, um, because I'm like not smart enough probably to read poetry or have the patience. Um, <laughs> I learned about the book from Glennon, from Glennon, like I know her. Um, I learned about the book from Glennon. And then I basically was like, when I started to read it, I was like, oh, like, mm, I can get I can get on board with this. This is not, like not a stretch for me um, to have me read a book called Keep Moving, which is like has a kind of motivational like rah, rah, like, come on, like. Go, go get them. You can do it. Like, you know, confidence instilling. I'm like, that's how I, that's how I coach and lead or, or I did in my career um, with teams and orgs and uh, as an athlete, like, so it maps. If you had written a book called stand there and do nothing, <laughs> I would be like, well, that's a, that's a challenge. I don't even know. I'd be like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. That's that. the sequel. Yeah. Just sit down now. <laughs> yeah. And I literally would be like, it's so hard. Like, why can I keep cleaning or working in my Excel doc for my like fake business and setting targets that like, who cares if you hit them or not? I mean, because that's, I'm not kidding. That's like what I do. Like, you know, or I have my target guest list and I'm just like, that's what I do. I like go figure out who knows who and I try and connect people and I, yeah. I love then, that. So much of my job as a poet is like literally sitting and staring out into nothing. Um, so, um, yeah, it's completely the opposite. Like really what I need to, to be successful is like a lot of time where I don't have any place to be or anything to do and no one talks to me. So it's it is totally different. It's like basically you're like, yeah, like my every day is like drinking tea in the afternoon in like a really comfy sweater and like doing a face mask and you just know, a long like, stare. Yeah. And journaling for six, roughly six hours. Maybe and then, six hours. Maybe six hours. Like maybe. <laughs> and then sometimes I might like tell a friend of mine that like, I really want to talk about what I just journaled for six hours. Do you have some bandwidth? You know, and then we both get in I the mean, bath. You're and joking, then, but it's not that far-fetched. 
So I get, I bring my tea into the bath. I have a nice little thing. It's where I journal. I put the candles on. Yeah. It's just a softer. And I'm literally like, yeah, like, let's get pumped up. Like, come on, keep yeah. moving. Do I it. was never an athlete. So I do not have like, there is no like whistle and clipboard aspect to my personality at all. Like I, well, Here's the yeah. thing. It's not about a whistle and clipboard because that's lame. And I'm not like Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, do you know Ted Lasso? Have you watched it? I have. It's it's a freaking gift. It's hilarious. Um, you might say that you are not an athlete and you don't have a whistle or a clipboard. But the voice in this book is the the tone and voice of an athlete. So I'm, I mean that. No, I take that as a huge compliment. You should. Yeah. You should. Keep moving is not at all far from uh, the first successful work that you've had. Um, so I would love to, I don't know, maybe share with me a little bit about your your path as a poet and a writer and a and a voice because we have we have some similarities, but again, I think you are far more the intelligent creator than me the nyak 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 entertainer it's like basically what i feel like when i when i know i don't know i feel like my a, a lot of my readings end up being um you know reading a sort of melancholy introspective poem and then doing a bit of self-deprecating stand-up before reading another kind of melancholy introspective poem because i feel like i owe it to the audience to give them a little a little something and also a little part of my actual lived personality, which sometimes doesn't come out, particularly in poems, which are so sort of crafted and crystallized and mm -hmm. this experience distilled. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like lived life. You know, I, tr yeah. I try to talk as myself in my poems, but they're still, you know, polished and revised. And I wouldn't walk up to someone and say in a poem, what I've written in a poem, like, it just doesn't right. work that way. So, so yeah, readings for me are kind of nyuk, 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 because it's when I get to be the person that you would run into in like a Kroger, right? Um, between poems. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm primarily a poet. I've been writing poems since I was I don't know, 13, 14. Um, and was a, you know, a complete introverted music freak bookworm who just wanted to sit in her bedroom and read books and do jigsaw puzzles and listen to Anita Franco. Yeah. The cure on yeah, the, the cure. Cool. On cassette. Oh, cool. yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. yeah, it was, it was the, you know, early nineties. So got it. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I published three books of poems before keep moving. And then um, you know, I was still writing poems during the time I started writing Keep Moving, but um, I started writing that book in the fall of 2018 without knowing I was writing a book. And that's the, the sort of interesting part for me is usually when I write poems, I know eventually they'll become a book or at least a lot of them will become a book. You know, some of them won't make the cut. But as I write poems, I know that like eventually they'll get to live in the world in this other container. And Keep Moving really began as a daily practice mm -hmm. that I had for myself that then I would post and share on social media. So I was writing myself these little 
pep talks in the morning, often still lying in bed in the dark, you know, texting them out on my phone um, during my divorce because I was just struggling so much and thinking like, oh my God, it's been like 19 years. I was 23. Now I'm 40, you know, two. How is any of this, how is any of this possible? Like, what, what do I do now? I've got these two kids and I've never lived as an adult on my own. And I don't know what to do. And I had a lot of fear and anxiety and grief about Mm -hmm. just having to re- create really my life in the middle of it, um, which was sort of like not the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just not what I signed up for. Yeah. Um, and so I started just writing these little notes to myself. And those are the quotes that are that are in the book. And I was posting them on social media, mostly just as a way of coming clean. And I didn't explain to people why I was writing these little notes to myself. I didn't really talk about the divorce at all for months. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just wanted to, I guess, just be authentic because I think of something that happens too often on social media is we put our best faces out there and our clean houses and our well-behaved children and our filtered faces. And it's just... Um, so easy, I think, to think that everybody else has it together and you're the only one who's struggling because that's what you see and read. And it just felt like, well, maybe if we all just admit when we are treading water Mm -hmm. and just our nose and mouth (laughs) are breaking the surface, even if someone else isn't going through exactly what we're going through, it will help them feel less alone in whatever it is that they're grappling with. And so something crazy happened. Like people just reached out so much about those quotes and people wanted a book. And so really the idea for the book came from people, other people, not, not something that I thought I was going to do. And like a backdoor smart content marketing strategy, because I used to be a marketing exec in (laughs) in tech. So I'm just like, oh, very smart. I was like, you were just basically building out your content library of social media posts and accidentally. I mean, that's the thing. Like it, it, I really sort of fell into it. Um, I wish I, I, I'm not really that smart or calculated in that regard at all. I mean, that's, that's not my level of intelligence or my kind of intelligence. Kind of intelligence. Um, It's not my kind of intelligence. Yeah. My daughter came home yesterday and she said, we talked about the nine types of intelligence at school. And I think I'm this, and I think you're this. And we went through the list and I could like, I couldn't figure out what I was, but I knew what I wasn't. Yeah. And so that kind of intelligence, um, that kind of strategic intelligence is not something I, I don't know. That's not really my strong suit. Well, I mean, you're creative. It's totally different. Your style and the structure of your book that for anyone that hasn't read, keep moving. I'd highly recommend it. Um, It's bright orange, uh, which I can see (laughs) behind Maggie right now. Um, But I also have it right in front of me. Um, it's keep moving, uh, notes on loss, creativity, and change. You call them poems, like, uh, you know, or short, just kind of, what do you, what do you call them in the book? 
Yeah, I don't think of them as poetry. I think of, um, I call them notes to self um, because that's what they are. I mean, the you in all of them is me. I was only ever talking to myself with, you know, other people and sometimes lots of other people kind of eavesdropping. <laughs> but I, I was never really dispensing advice to other people. And and that was the one of the funny things that happened when I was writing this book. I remember calling my mom and I said, I think I'm writing a self-help book. And we laughed about it because I'm not someone who is really big on self-help. And I've always been, I mean, I say in the book, I'm a recovering pessimist. I've never really been Miss Mary Sunshine. So people who have known me my whole life would not expect me to be a motivational speaker, for example. Right. Like it's just not really in my DNA. So we like we found the humor in that. But I think I think what made it work for me is that I was not dispensing advice to other people from some place of wisdom myself. I was just talking to myself from right. the bottom of a very dark well, <laughs> trying to say something to myself that might help me crawl a little higher in order to get out of it. Um, so well, yeah, I, I mean, it was literal self-help because it helped me to write how it. How about self-improvement? Does that make you feel better about it? Maybe. I mean, sometimes in, in bookstores, it's called personal growth. Like there's not really any phrase I love. Like, right. it, you know, my editor I don't either. Said, yeah, it's weird. My editor said all literature is self-help. Like everything you read is like helps nourishment. Expands, yes, expands your yeah. imagination. It nourishes you. It changes you. You know, mm -hmm. it it might comfort you, but it might also challenge you. You right. know, it might actually shift the furniture in your brain so that it can't go back into that same old carpet groove yeah. again that it's been in. And and See, that like, what the hell do you come up with stuff like that? I'm like, that was so. Like vivid <laughs> in my head. I'm like, there's a reason you keep doing what you're doing. Don't second guess. Okay, wait, for anybody that hasn't read it, like I literally didn't even I have lots of pages that are earmarked. Um, I I'm an athlete and what resonates with me is this style of short, punchy, uh, mm -hmm. direct, um, with a with a a realness, but an energy behind it that says like as you say, keep moving, keep moving. You got this. You got right? this. You got yeah. this. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to read. I just literally flipped. Don't wait for your life to magically come together. It's your work to do. Every day, every moment, you are making your life from scratch. Today, take one step, however small, towards creating a life you can be proud of. Like, fuck, man. Like, you can't go back. You have no choice but to go forward but you can choose how you get there. Walk. Don't crawl towards your new life, your next life. Carry yourself with as much courage as you can muster. Amazing. But then it's weaved in with basically you're calling them essays, which sounds literary and fancy. I'm saying <laughs> they're basically personal stories. You're, yes, you're, taking us, you're taking us through your own personal experience, having to navigate grief and loss and, and unexpected trauma. I appreciated it. I'm glad. I mean, when, when I first thought, I thought the book at first would just be quotes. Like it would just be a book of quotes, you know, a right. daily kind of devotional kind of thing. And then when my editor said, well, why don't we put some meat on the bone and add these essays to give some context and a frame of reference for what you've been through that maybe would inspire you to write these things in the first place. Right. I thought, oh, actually that's, that is also an interesting 
craft challenge for me as a writer because I hadn't written right. essays like this before. Um, oh. And so it, re- it required going into like, as I told my agent, I was like, I feel like what I'm being asked to do is go into my purse of grief and pull out everything that's in there, like even scraping the bottom or like there's just, you don't think there's anything left in there, but maybe you need to turn it over and shake it out. And really anything that I've been through in my life, I'm supposed to now pull this out of this purse and talk about it. And it was terrifying. Um, did they was, did they ask for that? I don't know how like writing books or- No, I mean, no one, no one said, we want you to write about every traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. But, you know, if I, I really, I wanted to write about more than the divorce because- because that was that was one really formative experience and one important loss for me, but not the only formative experience and not the only important loss. Um, so, so making it, I was really determined that this shouldn't be a divorce book, you know, either for me as the writer or or for readers. I really wanted it to be broader, which is great. I love that, you know. And then you, because the feelings. The experiences, you know, are dressed up differently, but the feelings and are are the same, right? And it's part of the with this podcast. I was like, listen, there are plenty of podcasts that cater to the cancer community, and I, I'm fully supportive of that, and I think that's great. I have not found personal connection to the cancer community because I get. Uh, I get angry, basically sad. Yeah. My therapist would be like sad. I get and sad. Anger is a cover for sad. Yeah. I know. Just yeah. with more energy. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But I, I'd be, I, I would be angry because it would either be people my age who, and you never want to, you never want to get it. It's a grief is not a competition. Right. Um, yeah. But I would find myself resenting people who um, were understandably rocked by their, you know, stage 1C diagnosis or, right? And I'm just like, I'm at stage four, motherfuckers. I was like, we're like, we're way. And so then when I would go to the metastatic, the stage four people, everyone was like 30 plus years older than me. And all it would do was discourage me and make me sad, right? So because of that, um, I was like, yeah, I'm no time to waste is not about death. It's not about dying. It's not about cancer. And it's not tailored to a cancer audience. I think a lot of people in the cancer community who were going through shit, man, if I had someone that spoke about things like I do back mm-hmm. when I first got diagnosed in 2018, I would have been yeah. like, thank you. Because all I did was Google for people that looked and sounded like me. You want to see yourself. Yes. And, and I go, well, not now. Yeah. Now I have no hair and I have a crazy scar. And so, no, your ex- I would not. Your experience reflected. Yes. I would like to see my experience reflected. Yeah. I want to find commonality in the experiences of all these people and not have it be a cancer podcast. Yes. It's about, a fuck- it's about living, right? Yeah. It's about everything that you talk about in there, which is like, you have an opportunity today to press reset. And live your life with more intention, spend your time on the right things, and say I love you to the people that matter, and have the courage, as Brene would say, to be vulnerable, right? It's 
that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing you could do. Um, and that is, that I believe is universal and touches anyone regardless of whether or not they have a terminal cancer diagnosis or not. Yes. Um, so here are just, uh, literally, I just turned to a page, didn't plan it. Um, and I'm like, are you sure you're not an undercover brand ambassador for no time to waste? Um, here's what here's what it says on on one page. Be brave enough to ask for help when you need it. There's no merit badge for doing all the hard things alone. Reach out. Keep moving. Okay, I I put that one on my Instagram. I was like, that deserves it. And also doing all the hard things alone. Um that that was all capitalized, which I just I love that uh what do we say like literary technique or grammatical what do we even what do we even call that all of the above i I was just thinking of those old like Girl Scout badges yeah. where you would get one for you know. I don't know. Time and nature. But they were all capitalized because science. Normal. Yes. Yes. Science, science and things out, uh, things of nature. (laughs) Yeah. Animal husbandry. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. And the other one that's right, right beside it. Ask yourself about the life you want. What would you do day to day and with whom and where? Consider the life you have. Do one thing today, however small, to close the gap between the two. Keep moving. And like, this is everything that No Time to Waste is all about. It's about confronting the cold, harsh truth of your mortality, right? Which we avoid. Um, Crafting a life without regret. And then maximizing moments. I talk a lot about gratitude, human connection, and joy. Um, but it, it's, it's exactly what you just described, but so succinctly in what do you want from your life, yeah. right? And then where where are you now? Start to make start to make moves towards that aspirational life, and it doesn't have to mean more money, more time. It doesn't have to. It's not about more. It's about being mm-hmm. more intentional with your moments. And recognizing how to see across that chasm and begin to put the stones in front of you, right? To, yes. to start to make the path there. How about that? Poetry. Yeah, that, that, you just did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> poetry in motion. Finding ways to close that gap because it's not enough to just know what you want. Because if you don't have any way to get there, I mean, that's just frustrating. I wish my life were X. Well, that actually just creates more grief and anxiety. If you know what you want, you have no idea how to make that happen for yourself. Or people go, they can't even like put themselves in that mindset because they're like, I'm already struggling to make ends meet. I'm there's, I can't, I can't afford to dream. I can't, I can't, you know, and it's funny. I, have had a life list. I call it a life list. It's not a bucket list. I started it when I was 15 years old. Mm. So, so crazy, but it's been a, it's been a North star and a roadmap in my life for through so many adventures. And it included everything from aspirational things that I wanted to buy, like a dream car that I was like, I will never be a rich person that will 
be able to, well, when I moved to Boulder, I bought, I bought my, I leased, I shouldn't say bought, I leased that dream car and I freaking love it. And, um, but I, it was like things like that, but it was also like find my signature drink. Um, it was like, take a, take a trip within 24 hours, like on a whim, um, fall in love, um, like run a 5k. And, and these are like, when I put them down, like they were so far out there. Yep. They seemed impossible. Right. Um, but I just wrote them down and it started as an actual paper with a pen. People are young. People are like, what? Yes. Who does that? Yeah. Who does this? Oh, you mean like an, like a stylus pen, like an electric, no, like a pen. Um, I still write everything longhand with a pen, by the way. You do? Oh, yeah. I don't even know how to type. Oh, this So this is like when you're like different kind of smart and different kind of skills. Like you're like a, you're a creative man. Like <laughs> useless in lots of other ways. You're useless. You're no, not. Just, <laughs> I'm practically no. unemployable. No, you're like the, you know, you're, you're the, you're the, the, the sensitive, emotional, you know, artist. Like, I who has no, who has few life skills. Who has ter- Who has few life skills and, <laughs> and can only afford to write with a pen. Like I a, have to like say, a I peasant. That you at fifteen were thinking about your life in this big, wide way because I think at 15 I was just thinking like what am I going to wear tomorrow and why is this zit here and does he like me I mean I just I love that you were thinking about your life in that way I was I don't think I realized it then but I was as I as I grew I I always had a whisper inside of me that that said, I meant for something bigger. I meant for a bigger mm. impact. And I have zero, there's not a shadow of my doubt, a shadow mm. of a doubt inside me that I am, I am doing what I was put on this earth to do. That all of my professional experience, my personal adventures and heartache and loss of the past created a resiliency that, and a drive system that has put me here today to use my powers for good and and help people with this message because the I continue to say it for anybody that's listening to the podcast and has been like I'm so bored of her saying the same things but I am what keeps me going are like these random messages and that I get from like random strangers that like tell me very specifically and I'm sure you get this like how your work is like very specifically impacting their lives like right now in a meaningful like measurable noticeable way yes yeah right yeah and And, i'm like feeling like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing is such a gift i mean i think so much of so much of the midlife crisis Mm -hmm. comes from not being aligned you know Mm -hmm. like just not feeling like your life is meaningful like you're Mm -hmm. doing what you could be doing and so to be doing work in the world that feels like it's your purpose Mm -hmm. is huge yeah it's huge and and i mean people wait people wait or seek out or or look for that their entire lives and they never find it yep i've realized i'm now talking to so many people i'm gonna like just do a blog post that just has like 
all of the resources that I'm getting introduced to because people want, people need this. They want it. And if someone liked your book, they're going to love Rabbi Leader's book. And if Um, they love Rabbi Leader's book, like they're going to love Suleika's book. And if they want a different voice, they're going to love Nora. And like, I, and, and if they want to like, like really get into it, they're going to love Pema and mm-hmm. and Victor Frankl. Like, I mean, I just have like the, you know, yeah. the, the list that everybody as a non-writer, as a reader, passionate reader, but I'm going to create a blog post that basically just outlines all the resources and then I'll just keep adding to it. So I have to ask one of the books that got me through Um, was um, called Kitchen Table Wisdom, which I think is a terrible title. I I feel comfortable saying that. Um, As a marketer, I can also say based on the content that's probably included. Yeah, that's probably a terrible title. But the the author's name is Rachel Naomi Remen. And I heard an episode of um, On Being with Krista Tippett, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, um, And she was Kitchen Table what? Sorry. Wisdom. Kitchen Table Wisdom. And it... It is fantastic. It's a fantastic book. Highly recommend. Like what's like the, what's like the tone? Um, it's, um, warm, a little funny, but like really touching and, uh, like lots of little anecdotes from her life, from her practice. She's a physician. So I, I would, um, like I would, this is one of the books where I would, I would find it. And if I found it on sale, I would buy like six or seven copies and then whenever anybody was going through a thing, I would yeah. send them that book. Well, I'm going to create a blog post that has that on it. Although I have to like have read it and like vouch yep, for it. Yeah, you got to sample. I got to sample it. Your your book will be on there for sure. Um, Yay, thank you. Well, what if, you, what if this was an audition and you didn't even know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> How am I doing? <laughs> you- <laughs> yeah, you're, like me- let's, you're meeting Four. expectations. You're meeting yeah, expectations. Yeah, it's fine. Maggie Smith. Not that Maggie Smith, the poet. No, Maggie the other Smith, one. The other one. Which I fucking love that. I love that. Because <laughs> um, I've said your name a couple of times and people are like, <gasps> Downton Abbey, Harry Potter. You're like, no, don't get your hopes up. She's not that. Oh, she's she, she she writes words. Yeah, it's fine. She she's a poet. Words. Not that one. Um, all right. I want to be respectful of your time. We're um, running up against everything. Um, I'm realizing. We're just talking. Whole- this point. Now. Dude, do you know how many podcasts are just two people shooting the shit? And I'm I li- love literally, it. I love it. As long as I like the people and they're entertaining, but sometimes there are writers, right? Especially who are so good with the written word. Um, but like, I don't want to hear him talk. <laughs> you know, like, but I like you, and you're like personable and fun, and like, like you're high energy and there are plenty of people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. I'm just like, yes, I would not like to talk to that person for an hour. It would be I a very it. slow hour. Um, Enough but, said. I get it. Right. Um, the voice in your book resonates with me personally so much. So I'm thank so you for glad. writing. That means so much to me. No, thank, thank you. I mean, this is oh. what makes honestly the whole, I mean, not just the process of writing the book, but just the process of living the book. Um, it feels like, God, I, I, I regret, I don't regret nothing. Um, but I regret less knowing that having written about some of these things might do some good for somebody else. It makes me regret less. Yep. 
maybe wow. someday I'll get to nothing, but you know, that's a lot of therapy and it's expensive. It is. I don't have a lot of time for that. So now I basically just like, as I go through the day, I'm like, eh, mm, I don't want to live with regrets. Mm. So sure. I'll do it. And I like ordered okay. a Diet Coke for the first time. in like, since I got diagnosed, cause I was like, you know what, what's the rationale? Like yeah. the number of the chemo, the drugs, all the crap that's pumped through my body right now. Like I can I really not. Yeah, I'm like not gonna have the diet coke just on vacation, and you know. But no, you have know that it's diet coke. Have the diet coke. Have the it, diet coke. Um, I want to let you go. You should at least know that that the book had a huge impact on me, and I continue to reread it. And I consider you, uh, in my head, the the, the Ted Lasso, um, you know, reading the quotes to me and and reminding me to keep moving. <laughs> if you do want to write. Um, the just stand there and do nothing book. I would not call me. I would be terrible. Um, but if you want to do a second volume of keep moving, I'm happy to weigh in and like give feedback on where you need to punch it up a little bit. Um, now I feel like every time I read from this book, I'm going to have to do the quotes in a Ted Lasso voice. Yes. I kind of love it with a mustache. I kind yes. of love it. Yes. I'm here for this. It's great. I love yeah. it. But I so appreciate the time. This like, no, this was such a this was such a joy. We could we could do this for a really long time. I think we could because you're like you're my people. I had like a feeling you're my people too. Okay, so if you really want to maximize your moments, you could pitch in and help us get the word out. Just rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's it. Oh, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss future episodes and bonus content. For more motivation, head to notimetowasteproject.com or join the squad on Instagram at notimetowasteproject. Grazie mille.